Welcome to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf. Look at us doing three podcast episodes three weeks in a row. I said, I promise a weekly episode, so you're going to get it, whether you like it or not. Golf is definitely back on my agenda each week. We're grinding hard. We're working towards going beyond scratch. We're trying to facilitate that by, you know, carrying more scorecards this year and getting them in and put myself under pressure. And we're helping a lot by getting the right equipment in the bag. And that's because this show, not only me, but the show is powered by four Golf Custom. Uh, they're fantastic club fitters, the best in the game, master club fitters, club fitters over the year in the past, and they fit for Shamey by on tour as well. Hey, I'm Seamus Power on the PGA Tour. If you're looking for the best golf club reviews out there on YouTube, just check out the guys at 4Golf Custom. They've custom fit my golf clubs for years and they're the best in the business. But it's not just tour players that take care of, they take care of every golfer's ability up and down the country. And they have a fantastic YouTube channel as well, so you can kind of get a feel for what they're all about before you go visit. I'd actually recommend you do that. So before you hit the link in the show notes below, foregolf.ie forward slash booking, watch some of their videos on YouTube and you really get a feel for who they are as people and how they approach um, your custom fitting. So what you can expect. This week's episode of What You Can Expect, you press play to hear about Mark Ruddy of Kilkenny Golf Club, maybe. Um, member of the IGCMA, the Irish Golf Club Managers Association. And he's also on a volunteer board with, with Golf Ireland in terms of helping other golf clubs uh, spread that knowledge of what to expect from the GM role. If you want to get into golf and you don't have a scratch handicap, maybe this conversation today will open your eyes as to how to be in the golf industry and develop a club and community. Uh, Mark Ruddy, everybody. Hope you enjoy it. Roll it there. Mark Rody, are you ready to tee it up? I am indeed, Paddy. What's the scandal with you? Uh, it's a little bit. In the middle of uh, renewal season, uh, so I'm currently in Kilkenny Golf Club, so uh, subscriptions renewals went out in the middle of January, so kind of due date roughly around the 28th of February, so it's busy every day, you get to meet most of your members, so it's a good time of year, actually. Uh, evenings getting a little bit longer, more rounds being played by members, it's all good, all good. It's all good. You're down in Kilkenny how long now? Uh, anniversary tomorrow, one year anniversary, Valentine's Day, great day to start. Oh, That's great enough. day to start, huh? Very romantic yeah. setting in, so you're with Mr. <laughs> Bolger down there? Yeah, Jimmy's down there, Jimmy's been there, Ooh. 20 plus years now so he's uh he's in the shop he runs all all the coaching the apparel and the meet and greet he's he's mr kilkenny down there he's great he's fantastic I, I i met him for the first time uh pre-christmas at the um session with Trackman in Palmerstown. so i've i heard of the legend the man the myth the legend you know being one of the best coaches from a instructional perspective you know having churned yeah. out some decent people Certain young Mr. Power, I think, is under his um, due diligence now and then, or used to be, or, or maybe still is. But yeah, yeah, one of the renowned pros who has um, 
deep insights into the game. So I have a lot of respect for that man. Goes about his business, um, except you professionally. So professionally, in fact, that I'm still trying to get him on this show. Yeah, so. yeah well, <laughs> hey, yeah. I, I, I chat to him most days and, uh, and pick his brain. He, he knows how the club functions and everything like that. And uh, He's great. He's a great asset to have there. And, uh, he's good fun as well. You know, and nothing is too serious with him. It's always a good day. So, great. Great guy. We'll get into life as a, as a GM in a minute. But, Mark, because I had your brother on. I've had your brother on twice. Young Dave, doing his thing. Yeah, the uh, golfer. The golfer. Um, yeah. But uh, I've always been intrigued as, I suppose, the, the golf management side of things and how that runs. But my might be a different memory to Dave. But what is, Mark Brody, what is your earliest memory of golf? Ooh, probably... Myself and my older brother got a cut-down set of clubs and we were dropped in Turles Golf Club around summer 1994, 95, we were eight or nine. And we were just told to be there at eight o'clock on a Wednesday. We waited our turn until probably 10 o'clock until all the proper golfers went out, proper junior golfers, and uh, headed out. And there was a couple of volunteers there. It was a great pro at the time, Sean Hunt. Uh, a Balkan glass man originally, but uh, he was the pro at the time and he, he got us on our way and that was it. He was glorified babysitting service for three ruddies for about 15 years, but uh, fantastic 15 years growing up there as kids and students. Uh, unbelievable club, great, great group of juniors growing up uh, in a hurling town. Golf was always going to be secondary, but it was a fantastic secondary sport. Like, uh, it just kind of grew from there. Just our whole family is golf. Uh, bar, sister, sister's the only one that avoided it throughout the years. But my mum was a lady captain, committee member, and everything like that. She still plays a bit. And yeah, it's ingrained in us now. Hurling is second best to golf in our family now, which is strange for Turles men. That's tough. I will. Some people know I'm from North Clare, uh, not quite a hinge place called Kilfenora, which uh, for a county of Clare actually wouldn't, a lot of people wouldn't know what a hurdy looks like in that part of Clare. It's used for, used for herding cattle. Um, football country, would you believe? Which yeah, I would have grown up in Hurley and that. But what was it like, what was it like growing up then in, in a hometown like Harlan's with the, the couple of brothers and in golf and in Harlem? What was it like growing up there? Uh, it was a, a great town at the time, like. And I, I don't want to sound kind of old or traditional. We're both we're both the same vintage now, so you yeah. can say what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you'd meet at the top of the road for eight o'clock to walk out for the junior juvenile competition. You'd meet at one o'clock with your Hurleys then later on uh, uh, in the local park and uh, have a few pucks in the evening. You might go training then after that. It was, it was simple. It was down to the shopping centre, get a bottle of Coke or... Something Mr. Like Freeze. Yeah, Mr. Freeze. All, all that kind of simple stuff and just days in the park pucking the ball or 36 holes on the golf course. It was, uh, it was incredible. Like It was really a really good town to grow up in because you had you kind of idols all around you. Like a town where, where Jimmy Doyle came from and his son Walter is actually a, a professional down in Balanisi. Uh, and then you had other idols in the golf club uh, growing up, Interpros players, Irish players, and all that. So, 
it was just great. Like, it was just simple time, no mobile phones, a uh, couple of girlfriends, but not too many. And uh, never at the, the same lads. time. Yeah, yeah, never at the same time. Just the lads growing up, you know, like the mess and the chipping competitions, the putting on the putting green in the dark when the masters was on, and I went to the ads or or anything like that. Like they used to black out the clubhouse and one of the local TV suppliers used to put up a projector. There could be 100 people in there and they'd go for a break and the stories that would be told, the slagging about the Bruin matches or the Pierce Purcell. And it's like we, we still talk about it today and we kind of go back and uh, some of the older members that are with us and unfortunately some of them have passed, but their sayings and one-liners are just incredible. You write an amazing book. Uh, so a great town, great town. Obviously, then Munster final roll into town. Uh, used to do water by down in Temple Stadium with my GA club, Dorlis Oak. And uh, I was there at the time. Morris Fitz kicked over the point uh, for the football. Uh, great days, you know, great, great days around there. It's a good town. I was I was too young for the fail. I, uh, I missed out on that, but uh, with a couple of bits and pieces going, the town's on the right way again. It's dipped there for the last kind of 10, 15 years, and it's on it's on the way up with coffee shops and all that kind of stuff now. That's tough. Uh, you know, a place that's booming. Uh, have you been in any diamond in the last couple of years? No. Yeah. You yeah. know, a place that's booming. So for anyone that didn't know, like in the seventies and eighties, Ennis diamond had, I know, a couple hundred people and thirty-eight pubs. Uh, now it has a couple of pubs, but you know, places booming when there's a like a, a cheese press cafe <laughs> and a and a soap shop. Shout out to my first cousin uh, with the soap shop. Um, you know what I mean? You know, places booming when stuff like that's happening. Um, what do you do for fun now? Uh, a bit of golf. Uh, I've uh, two and a half year old as well, knocking great crack out of him at the moment. Uh, and just my own friends around. Like I was in Dublin, I was in the Middle East the uh, uh, last few years, so I've been kind of kind of away for probably twelve years. And uh, myself, and my wife, actually just bought a house near enough to where we rented our first house, probably a, a lob wedge away. And uh, so that will become a hobby now in the next few months, whether I like it or not. Uh, just get that designed and. Uh, updated and a few bits like that but it's just friends bit of golf I actually joined the squash club which is in our golf club last night online uh, so the old uh, it was the COVID stone now I'm calling it the 2022 stone that I have to shift uh, so go and do a bit of that and it's uh, I never thought I'd be like this I thought I'd be off running around the world golfing everywhere but like, I'm quite happy to play a bit of golf Kenny Turles and then mix it up in a couple of the events that are out there, nothing too serious. So when did, I suppose, a career in golf come across your mind? When the Mr. Freezes became a kid's thing and, and yeah. the failure was long behind you and you're in Turles going, just leave the boys in the, the school there said I should be doing the business degree or something, but I want to do golf. When, when did the career in golf come across your mind and say, yeah, this is what I want to go do? So basically, kind of from secondary school, you had to go and get a course, and all the career advising uh, advisors in the school were civil engineering or construction. So I like wood, 
I liked woodwork and uh, uh, I didn't get uh, my woodwork teaching because I didn't study my leaving cert. So I ended up getting construction studies in Carlo IT and did that for a couple of years. Lo and behold, recession kicked in and I was chatting to my golf pro in Turtles at the time, George Jones. He said, my system has just left. Would you come in and give me a hand? And I had done the usual things as a junior around the club, divvying, washing members' buggies in behind the bar and eventually working in the bar and uh, working up cleaning dishes in the restaurant. So I knew the club I was comfortable with. So I said, yeah, look, I'm at a kind of crossroads here in what to do and where to go forward. Lo and behold, three years later, I was qualified as a PGA Pro uh, and really enjoyed the process of that and learning the different elements of it. It isn't the guys you see on TV or it isn't just the pro in the shop selling drinks and chocolates and signing people in. It's 150 other things in between. It's the stuff that we don't see. And I'm not blowing smoke or anything, but there's a lot of things that your PGA pros out there actually do that they don't get the pat on the back for. And uh, if they pull the club together, you know, to unite the club, to unite the members, it can also help you win over on bad occasions if the committee needs something won over, feed it into your pro, he'll help you out. Uh, but then I actually uh, got a call from one of my pros, uh, my boss at the time, his friend, uh, Donald McSweeney, who I'm sure you know very well down in the Hinch. I've uh, heard of him, yeah. Like we've, uh, we've, like, we're like passing ships. Yeah, he's uh, he, he he's another another great pro out there, and he said, "Look, we're we're getting things going in Balaniti again, and we need a crew of people in the driving range in the club." And and it was basically I drove into Balaniti to speak to Donald, and the fairway grass in Balaniti at the time was about four or five feet high. The greens grass was, I'd say, at least a foot high. The whole place was overgrown. It was closed, obviously former golf club different name and uh, there was a group a great group of members and Donal and and, and it, a load of people involved there that got that off the ground that's that's uh, 2013 so that's about 10 years ago and then Donal did me into the Hinch I did the junior camp in the Hinch uh, probably wouldn't get get away with coaching 30 kids at the moment uh, with one pro uh, but we had good volunteers down in the Hinch and uh, a Paddy, the general manager and his team always, always looked after us down there and had the kids on time and everything like that. So at that and uh, then Balanese needed more help indoors. And I was like, I actually love meeting and greeting people like the bar situation, the pro shop situation, uh, coaching was okay, like I enjoyed coaching kids, but if you wanted to talk to me about P5 and P9, just fall asleep on the couch, unfortunately. So uh, got into the admin side of things with the help of Donald there, and uh, and it took off from there, kind of just changed my pathway in, in golf, because there's a hundred pathways you can take. But, uh, I, I know that in listening to your podcast, you were interested in the club building side of things, and that's yeah, yeah. Like in my madness, uh, yeah. like I was like I'd every golf digest or it was golf monthly. My mother still has a big box of all the golf monthly. So I throw this out. I'm still like, no, 
<laughs> a couple hundred gold punty magazines there from when I was like you know, 13 through 16. So I knew all the, not just the stainless steel, but like the grades of stainless, like, like 504 and all that kind of stuff. And when carbon started first coming in and all that kind of jazz. But my career advisor was a priest for 50 years in St. Pannon's College. So it, he was like, engineer, you heard I wanted to build stuff. Engineer, off you go. Yeah. Rather there than... I'd have a I'd have a bit different instruction for myself now these days. Um, general manager, what do what does that role entail? Uh, like like I'll 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 generally talk about it uh, because like I'm in the uh, the Irish Golf Club Managers Association and we have 140 or 150 managers from clubs. Some of them are not club uh, as in golf clubs. Some of them are let's say, members clubs in meeting rooms and different services like that. But like if, if you speak about the role in, in relation to golf, the general manager, like it, you go in there and manage the golf club on behalf of the committee. And the committee are kind of your, your, your top line in the golf club. So it's usually your management committee. Some people call them government bodies or joint committees. And they are basically... The key stakeholders for the members. So we've, let's say, in a golf club in the middle of the country has 500 members. They'll they'll vote in usually 10 or 15 people onto a management committee, and then they kind of help the golf club run and keep the the culture of the golf club or the tradition of the golf club, or uh, look at the expenses or the governance or the policies, and then feed it into the administration team, which. That, that's basically our role like as general managers we're administrators uh, for for the committee and that takes a thousand strands and it, it, some of it is the great stuff some of it is picking out uh, let's say the, the new flags around the clubhouse the signage creating fun events and some of it is the health and safety some of it the HR it's kind of a bit of everything, but everyone kind of chips in from their side of things. So like general manager, you'd be overseeing a team, let's say your course team, your food and beverage team, your administration team, and your, let's say your contractors. It could be a caterer, it could be your golf professional. And that's kind of like your, your general club, your medium-sized club in Ireland. And you then have to let's say, roll out the policy of the club. So if you look at a club and you drive past it, you're saying, the club is quite quiet today. What's going on? It could be could be an off day. It mightn't be seniors day. They might have played the day before or it could have been weekend competition. Uh, but you have to look at it overview in seven days a week or even 365, what's the club's model? So uh, one thing in the industry that we talk about as managers is, is our model now 70-30? So is our income coming in 70% membership and then 30% everything else? Or is our income 80-20? So let's say the likes of your pay and play clubs, they would be probably 50-50. 50% membership, they can sell a membership for 400 euros, great value for people, but they also can put out 20,000 rounds of visitors' dollars. Uh, you know, so that's the way they balance it. Uh, so, because I, 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 I have a question there in terms of 
like the vast majority of golfers, like set aside the Lahinches of this world, your tier yeah. one tourist golf club, right? That that gets, you know, obscene amounts of footfall, which then affects like members around. Like people are like, hey, Paddy, take me out the hints. I was like, well, I need to give like 30 days notice. And it has to be a midweek. It has to be mid, like midweek, or because there's members only at the weekend. Like that's pretty much the only time we can play. So there's a bit of to and fro with, and like it's managed quite well, right? Um, because because the kind of support, you know, about a twenty to thirty mile radius of business, right? Yeah. It's a mini, a mini or macro economy. But we could, you could say, eighty percent of golf clubs in Ireland. I would be worried about their like cash flow and indeed their future if they're on a 70-30 model in terms of like a revenue stream given the cost involved on the operational side of, that I've learned of, of like golf clubs because yeah. I'd be talking to people like in my place don't play someplace random I won't name drop but they say oh we need that bunker like redone or we need to put in a bunker there let's go new bunker probably about five grand you know, so that's like yeah. three. That's like three members. I think three fees per member here, and they're like, "All right," you know. Yeah. So yeah, what, like what do you make on that? In that, you know, if seventy thirty was your model, and your green fee like structure is that low, but your membership is two grand, and you're trying to keep the course up to a very high standards, like where is the balancing act there in in getting that revenue stream to sustain everything else? It's it, it, it's very much for let's say the majority for kind of Joe Blogs Golf Club, it's cut your cloth measure. Uh, so it's the case of if we have a good year, yes, we can do a second uh, core in the green or a second application of a certain spray or fertilizer. And I know agronomist or our, uh, our, our head greenkeeper, I leave that to Sean and his team in, in Kilkenny, but like it's it's cutting your cloth to measure and you have to gauge it month on month. Like we discuss figures in, in our golf clubs as managers month on month and we're tracking it year to date versus two years. Obviously the last two years we can't, uh, 2020 and 2021, you can't benchmark against them because they're just flips. Uh, we have to go back to 19 to get some data, maybe 18. But like we resource around each other and we say, look, guys, how is, how is green fee business at the moment? Uh, like Dublin is full. Uh, you know, we all know that tourism in Dublin is just massive. The Hinch is full and uh, that area around there, Kerry is full. So where are the rest of the tourists coming? And um, we've great tour operators there that will push business into all these other clubs around there and they're chipping away at that. But our, our big thing at the moment is we're probably getting too much of a good deal for our membership. Uh, you know, uh, in, in I'm, I'm saying that in very general terms, is that like my own membership came in for Turles, fantastic value. I see it, and then I meet Joe Blogs down the road, and he's given out saying that our sub is too high, and it, it's a balancing act. Uh, so it, it's tricky. It's year on year, and it's week on week, and month on month for some golf clubs, but you have. You have good support out there. You have sports capital grants out there. You've, you've Golf Ireland doing their bit, pushing pushing funds into clubs that need it from, from Sports Ireland. Uh, so there's other ways of doing it. And 
like you have competition revenue that comes in, you have fundraisers, you see it all the time, uh, local clubs, fundraisers, and they'll do a whip around of other local clubs for four ball vouchers. The expenses on those events are very little, and then you're nearly capitalizing on 90% of your income on the day. Like, so it's, it's a tough grind, and it's, it's the same in, I, I'm sure, in, in your football club back at home and, and certain kind of stakeholder environments where kind of members own the club and it's non-profit. Uh, and then you have the exceptions to the rule where you have great golf clubs, best in class in their region, location, population, and they've just been very clever over 30 years. And, and they just put a bit of money away for the new greens board that could cost 60 grand, 70 grand, or the next capex spend in the club, or the preventive maintenance in the club, or the energy upgrade. Uh, you know, they're, you could say they're probably a fifth of the golf clubs in Ireland. The other mm. four, fifths, four fifths of the golf clubs are, are grinding it. And the big, the, the big winner in it, Paddy, to be perfectly honest, is the volunteers. The, it's the people that come down, mind the juniors. It's the people that dig out and do a bit of divoting. It's the people that come and collect the trees uh, or the branches off the trees when when the green team are doing pruning. That's what it's all about. Like if you if you didn't have them and you just say right, I'm going to run a golf club in the Midlands in Ireland, and I'm going to charge five hundred quid for membership, you wouldn't last without volunteers. It, yeah, and you'd about need that. about 2,000 members. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? Would. You would. You're right. It's just interesting in terms of, yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the different models and I suppose golf clubs have to look inwards and see, like, what what is our model? Like, what is our target member? Mm. What is our target visitor? And then put the five-year plan, the three-year plan, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan in place. I'm not saying you need a 10-year plan now, you need a three-year plan, and that rolls into a five, and that rolls into a ten. In terms of the committee, the administrative team, all the the you know operations and greenkeep team, all working together on that. You know, yeah. taking in you know member focus groups so that everybody's moving in the one direction. I was a member in the yeah. golf group before, and it was like I would love to get involved, but I had a clue who to, to call, like ask for the pro. They didn't really know because there's so many people's hands in so many people's pockets we got there in the end but that's because i went like out of my way <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. if the communication um in my home club for example is you know get the start of the year if you want to get involved these are the, these are the this is the hit list you know let us know like your your availability you know if you want to help out with juniors you know you should do certain courses fill out certain forms and then you're in you know and we, we'd love to have you so i think in that regards, the question is, how important is the plan to have one? Yeah, like if if it's a plan on on the on the let's say the car insurance envelope, or it's the can that or the plan that's in the PowerPoint and all the moving pieces in it. Once you have something that we all take uh, ownership on, we say right, we're going to try and hit that target as best as we can. And we're all moving towards that direction. And you'll find there's committees out there tonight probably sitting down and they mightn't even have it on the envelope yet, 
but they'll have it in their mind and they'll have great governance in the club in their mind, but they just need to get it down on, on paper. And like the last thing we want is, as, as managers out there, is, is clubs struggling in the area. We want as many golf clubs open in the area. We want as many filtering into these golf clubs, be it juniors, ladies of golf, even senior members uh, getting into golf after work or retiring. Like we want them all to succeed and it's, it's a little plan. It's the, right, we're going to hit this target. It mightn't be always income. It could be the amount of people playing in our open days. How can we get more people? Right, will we ring around? I remember in, in, in one club I was involved in, two retired people actually went and started ringing around the society for the last 10 years. It was one of the most bumper years in the club. And it was all down to really those two volunteers because we didn't have the resources to staff uh, uh, another receptionist to make all these calls. They don't have the time uh, to do it because you have members popping in and calls, emails. These two guys went away into a room and it was a bump for you. A simple thing like that can actually change a golf club from struggling to having an exceptional year. So volunteers out there, if they listen to even yourself, Paddy, keep knocking on those doors. Find out who's there at the club. If you give five hours of your time, you won't believe what that can do for a club. Be divoting or helping out the juniors, it's all important. And I think like that's the club model, really. It is. If you look at your, your tennis club and your rugby club, I know GA clubs and squash clubs growing up, if there wasn't volunteers, it'd be closed. So... Uh, exactly. exactly. You spoke of Thurlism watching the Masters as a club, and I love that idea because when I was um, a junior member of my first club, was actually Ennis Golf Club um, oh. uh, with, uh, with my buddies because I went to school in Flannan. So off up. Yeah. That's right. I started playing pitch and put first. Not a pitch and put club anymore uh, across from Flannan. It's a housing estate that's gone. But, um, but all my friends started playing golf then, like uh, in their first year summer. I went up to Ennis first. I was into the year after. Um, but your story has reminded me of like up on a Saturday morning, uh, junior golf was after members' time, so half nine to half ten. We'd all be in pretty rapid. Premiership would be on me. Jeez, I'd say 50, 60 people in there every Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. Do you think, I suppose the question there is, do you think clubs can do more? to kind of get that type of environment. I know Six Nations is here, so sometimes, and it might be like urban clubs more, in my experience, don't really have that kind of atmosphere. You know, the big town clubs, so like in Lehinch, it's kind of, the golf club is like the focal points of like, a, of community, you yeah, know, because yeah. there's only a couple of pubs in town, but I suppose bigger towns, you know, you've 10 to 15 pubs, super pubs to choose from, Larry Corbett's there and, the tip yeah. town, I don't know. Um, you know, Maisie's, you know, uh, <laughs> uh who was that? Um, Galway Harder, what's his name? What's his name? Retired, Port Romna, Canning, Maisie's, yeah, Maisie's yeah. and that's known as Joe Cannons. A lot of helping us out. Can golf clubs do more to generate that kind of community spirit around occasions? Because I'm thinking full swing is coming out this week, and that'll be like a full swing viewing evenings every Wednesday in golf clubs, you know. Yeah, it, like it, 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 to be honest with you, like I think 
golf is more than just golf, you know. Hundred um, percent. You know that that's the way we it, we were brought up anyway. That you'd go in and you'd have your your two euro and your three euros for your basket chips. And like I asked my mum about that, and that wasn't just the convenience of us getting our lunch there. She also kind of saw, saw the overall picture of that. You're you're supporting the caterer. Uh, you're in supporting the bar. You're actually utilising the golf club for what it is. It's it's a social venue, and there's a sport being played outside. So, like, I think, I think COVID has did not really, help. <laughs> it, it it didn't help at the time, but what I find now is that we have a lot of members, and I'm chatting to other managers about this. A lot of members that are using the golf clubs now for their social hub because it was the safe space during COVID because they were playing outdoors. Now they're creeping back indoors and we've just still a few that, that, that have their coffee outside and the tables and chairs in the summer is a lovely place to do it. But you chat to other me- uh, members and it is a social environment that people are comfortable in. They know the staff, they know that it's going to be a certain uh, a certain way at a certain time. So they know the busy times, they know the kind of quiet times. In golf clubs, we've bridge going on, we've snooker going on, and uh, we've people in the swing studio, we've yoga going on. Uh, one of the guys was on last week, and they're looking at garden bowls. All this kind of stuff is that we want to make it a community facility. Uh, you know that you can come in and take part in all this, be it members, members, guests, open days, different things like that. Uh, we have taken down as an industry, we've taken down a lot of the barriers. Uh, you know, like we do have people in hoodies going out. We do have people wearing caps in the bar. Uh, we have people wearing uh, kind of dress jeans to prize presentations. We're getting there. Just, you know, we have a lot of work done. Uh, I just think that our kids are so, so much busier now. They have swimming, horse riding, everything going on. And our parents, their parents, are so much busier, are so much connected with the world with WhatsApp and phones and stuff like that. But if you actually look at it, I, like I had a lady in today, she just recently retired. There was no one in the area. She's looking at getting involved. I said, you are in the best place in town. I said, our ladies are so social and you go to any club. The ladies club, and it's not being sexist, but the ladies club are unbelievable for engagement. They're just fantastic in every club. Uh, they really get it going. They're behind every prize presentation. They're behind any night that you're doing or any events or anything like that. Uh, they're kind of the heartbeat to it. And in fairness, the men are, are getting better, but like the ladies are, are really pushing it on in majority clubs in Ireland. And you see that in ladies in golf. Or golf it's, it's growing year after year after year and the different associations that feed into that to give us the templates. But... How much more can we do, Paddy? Uh, we can just keep trying, is, is, is the thing. Just try if it ends up being 10 people in the bar watching watching the Netflix or watching uh, the Masters. What about you? You've made 10 members very happy. They're probably 99% going to renew next year. Uh, it costs a lot of money to get 10 members into your golf club and marketing and stuff like that. So if... Uh, you can do that 10, 20 times a year. You have a fair bulk of your membership happy. And no, so, exactly. Uh, like, because, like, in 
in my game, in sales and in like customer acquisition, it's three and a half times cheaper to keep a customer than get a new one in terms of that, the marketing needed, the onboarding needed, you know, getting people's time in the administration and getting the main, maybe, you know, coach with the pro, whatever, that all takes people time and resources. So you're dead right, it's much cheaper to use the apps you have. So what maybe um, processes or like systems you have in place or know of for that type of member retention that it isn't all about you in January, February when your sub is due and then hope it all goes well for the next 10 months. Have you a system in place for like regular touch points or like that type of engagement process to get, you know, the fringe members, you might say, outside of the core, outside of the volunteers and the people who are in the club three, four times a week? Yeah, but like, it, it, the way you kind of gauge it, like and I've been at a couple of clubs in, in the last 10 years overseas and up in Dublin, down the country now, so you have different markets and different engagement pieces for them, like your your weekly newsletter. That, that goes out to everyone. Let them know what's on. Keep on hammering that same day every week. Make sure that's going into their mailbox and uh, they're getting a piece of information from the club. And some people are quite happy with two games of golf and 52 newsletters a year and they might go practicing once. And then there's the other members that want to be in the 200 club and they want 200 rounds a year and they want to maximize uh, their discounts for their pints with their members' cards. So, like, if there's, if there's one thing out there and the PGA pros will know it, but every person in your golf club that is taking a lesson with the PGA pro based on data that they did over in the UK retained their membership the following year. So I'm I'm always on to Jimmy uh, saying we have a member a new members night let's say in April and Jimmy will be on that night and we'll meet all the new members. Probably See that alone that alone is my question answer. There are a multitude of clubs I know will hear that and go just a great idea. Why don't we do that? A new members night and have the pro introduce himself and let them know you know how to contact and how things work. That yeah. alone would would like. Boost retention massively. You ran like a couple of those nights a year. Yeah, it's it, like, like a, 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 another model that you'll see a lot of uh, uh, GMs and directors of golf, PGA pros, is they'll know when new members are coming in, collecting their golf Ireland cards or their membership badge. The handshake, how are you? How are you keeping? You're from this part. Do you know so and so is there? Right. I'll let him know that you're after joining. Little things like that. Like we, unfortunately, we just had a bar person uh, retire after 40 years in the club. A fantastic man. And he knew everyone. And he was kind of pulling the strings for members there. And every club has that person that's been there 20 plus years. Uh, and they kind of pull the strings for people and join the docks and uh, get people to tag up. Ladies club. They do it in their ladies into golf, and I see groups of them over the years, and they'll play golf for forevermore. The WhatsApp group from 2018 in Dublin and, uh, is, is still going, and it's Saturday morning or Sunday morning tea times now. So all those little things at the start, uh, because if you're going to lose a member, you'll probably lose them in the first year. You're not going to use them, lose them after 10 years. They're already in, they're engaged, they're on a team, or after winning a prize, uh, in an event, so 
get him in the first year, be out and about. I'd be, I I was trained uh, overseas uh, about the front of house, and the walk around. So one of my roles over in, in Dubai when I was there was I check in all the members. It's a totally different model. It's a resort club, uh, but you check in all the members. So the touch point was that you'd meet. Uh, all your members that morning, we used to do two shotguns morning and afternoon, you meet every single member that stayed that weekend. And then your office was located 20 meters away from the range. So you do the walk around in the range. So a lot of the time you'll see managers, directors, on pros walking around the place and they might be just grabbing a coffee in the bar, but they'll go the long way around to meet four or five of the members. How are you? Good morning. We don't know is that the only person that that member is going to meet today. So I'd always be saying, look, just give them the best two minutes of their life, you know. And uh, that's kind of, there's no dark art to retaining members or anything like that. It's just get them in with your pro, introduce them to your pro. He will will improve them in golf, uh, introduce them to... uh, the waiter or, or the bar lady or whoever's in the bar and this is John, this is Mary, they're new members and they'll they'll try and learn their names or they'll definitely know that they're new members and they might introduce them to someone else. Little things like that. It, it, it's important. But like you were saying about like trying to get onto committees and different things like that. Let's open up the digital stuff like into their phone, people can read it or post out if you have let's say if you have an age and demographic post out some information once a year some people might prefer to read the newsletter than the 400 emails that I'm sure you have every day between work and personal life and everything like that so uh, survey the members whatever you know like learn and go on try if you fail go do another thing uh, you know no it sounds like it's you have things quite progressive um, systems for you, Aaron, who are dealing with new members in terms of front of house and reception for, you know, hospitality for, for visitors, you know, making sure they're taken care of for that um, return business, if what you're looking for. Um, yeah. You mentioned you have a swing room so in terms of other, like, resources members can avail of. So I see uh, a certain golf strong, Peter O'Keefe, is uh, extending out. He's got strong in Douglas, his, his own hub with his home club. And he's doing bits, I think they're building out a golf strong affiliated with Hermitage, I think. So is that, is that um, not just a golf strong, but like kind of a fitness area in general? I think you mentioned as well that you, you have yoga for members. So is that kind of multi stranded, not turning it into a country club, but just kind of making your, your golf club like more valuable for the, the sub, but also to tap into other parts of the community to go, I'll go for my yoga and actually just golf there as well. I might try that or vice versa. Is, is there other aspects golf clubs can look to um, that maybe yeah. that's on your hit list to go, geez, I'd love to bring that to my golf now and see how that would work. Like, like I was in Dubai and we had seven different gyms in, in the resort in Dubai. It had paintball, it also had AstroTurf outside. It had indoor shooting, outdoor shooting. So there's, it, it, it depends what, let's say, let's say the, the culture of the club going forward, what would they like? Like, 
if you look for Peter's going in Hermitage and, and what they're doing, they could be kind of market leaders in the sense that you could find that a lot of other clubs in, in let's say, the greater Dublin area or the greater Cork area or the big cities might start tapping into this market. Like in, in Turles here alone, I think it's 10 or 15 gyms at the moment. What's to say that Turles Golf Club or a, another golf club couldn't put on a, a little gym facility there. Like in, in Lucan, where I was before, they used to do chair aerobics. So we used to get the chairs that we used for the function. And majority of people who were kind of 50 plus used to come up on a Wednesday and they used to do a bit of chair aerobics. Simple things like that. But all those people were members. And if they weren't golfing anymore, they were pavilion members. They were all engaged in the club. And they were actually building a, a kind of a sub community within themselves where they were all joining every year. So it was the best retention piece ever. Uh, so like, but you have, you have clubs, let's say Valaniti at the moment, Palmerstown that are doing the Trackman range. And uh, like that is like, if, if you have a PGA pro, I would say 90% of them have a tracking device. Be it, uh, I think it's called GC quad is one of them and then Trackman's another one or Top Tracer or whatever is going on. Like that's nearly the next step and it's the fun step. It's the games uh, that go alongside them and the engagement piece for the very young to the novice that golf, the experienced member. Like it kind of ticks off a lot of boxes, the corporate stuff. But like it's then trying to fit in with the model you have. So you have your core stakeholders as well, Paddy, that you have to be conscious of. Uh, so a lot of these clubs will have four, five, six hundred members, and then there's some clubs out there that have two thousand, two and a half thousand members in, in different categories. So you have to be conscious that you still have to provide a service for the golfer that will have F and B before or after their round as well. And then you have the location of any of these outdoor activities and how can that work? Is there planning permission? Is there a big capex spend? You know, like after after paying for everything in a year to go and put two hundred thousand into something else could take ten years for a club to put that money aside into a, a gym or a, a, a slatted unit for a range or a hidden bay or a trackman or something like that. So I think clubs are if we look at the 90s and the clubs that we used to have and the green and brown carpet and uh, the dark bar and the junior room and the TV room and all that kind of stuff. The snooker and, room. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we've come along a, a long way and in fairness to the clubs, you have to tip their cap. They're, they're coming on board and like they're being supported by PGA, Golf Ireland, Sports Ireland and then TV, Facebook, Instagram, all these digital assets that they're looking at and you're saying, wouldn't that be great? Whether it's a new game for the kids to play or it's something like chair aerobics or yoga or snooker league or whatever it is, bridge, cards, all engagement pieces, all all nearly 99% of those members will be retained next year because they're all involved and they're usually the ones that don't mind paying the sub, they're getting getting good value out of it socially as well as round the golf club. What's happening in Turles 
What's on your plan or the like typical tip and won't don't tell anyone until you've won it? Uh, as in 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 the hurling? No, no, for yourself, for hurlers, what's on your roadmap to to achieve kind of next year or over the next couple of years as a club? Uh, I, 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 okay, Tur- Turles is like uh, is the heartbeat, and you can kind of move away and you come back to it and everything like that. But like Turles itself, like developed uh, its nine holes back in the it was oh four oh five. Developed those nine holes. They've knitted in very well. Like they host major major tournaments themselves for Golf Ireland. They're very accommodating for Golf Ireland. And uh, and regional finals and everything like that. But, you know, it's it's a case of there's a lot of people since COVID have moved back, including me. I'm one of those moved back to where you're from, kind of people. And there's a there's a generation now coming back again. The 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 daddies and mammies of Turles, where their kids will hopefully play, and that'll be how I get my nine holes. Like I see your, yourself with your son there, like. That, that's the dream for me, going down to the range, hitting a couple of balls or playing two holes. Like That's what it's all about. And I think that is going to boost the town again. As I said, the coffee shop earlier on, town is on the way back up. And, uh, you know, it's like Kilkenny, 25,000 in, in the city and another probably 100,000 within 20 kilometres of a turlet has eight or 9,000 with another five or 6,000. Around it, you know, it's totally different models completely. But in fairness, they they do their best there. Uh, they host great tournaments as well. And ourselves in Kilkenny, we opened the door to I think it is Leinster Junior Cup for ladies and gents, and Pierce Personal or Jimmy Broom this year. So we all have to all have to help to get these tournaments back up to what they were and uh, and host these events and showcase it. It's showcasing your products. You're you're welcome to people. It, you get return business out of that as well. So uh, it's it's busy, busy. Like I sit on the Golf Ireland uh, Club Support Committee. I volunteered for that uh, last year. That's very interesting to see where they're going and what are their kind of their key things that they're going to deliver to clubs over the next few years. So that's quite interesting as well. IGCMA. We're moving now to kind of copy, not, not so much copy, but like try and move with the times and kind of deliver value add for our members, which is is kind of like, okay, guys, we do this in our golf clubs already. What can we do for ourselves? Like, so we had speakers on from Medina, and I'm going to Orlando next week uh, to the CMAA. World Conference, so that'd be quite good. Hopefully, get down to Bay Hill for a day, see the way that they delivered. It's a totally different scale, Bay, Bay Hill. But yeah. See the way that they deliver their golf experience, and you might get a nugget out of it. It might be a logoed bottle of water. Uh, it could be something simple like that. A name on a sandwich. Could your club do that and be renowned for it? Turles, growing up, we had this thing called the Jack Special, which was a piece of steak wedges and onions and mushrooms, and on our 11th hole in Turles, there was the Jack's house, so it was named after that. But people used to come open week, and that's all they used to order, and Turles was renowned for the Jack's <laughs> medicine. So, it's, yeah, it, it, it's good. It's like, I get to play my golf in Turles, and look, and 
uh, and chat to members and they'd be saying, oh, what are you doing here and what are you doing there? It's totally different. And it's, it's yeah. different in the Hinch, it's different up the country. If you play a bit of golf up the country, we're all, they're all different golf clubs. You have to take them as you, as you see them and as you're working in them. So uh, it's all good though. Golf is on the rise, please God, uh, this year again. No, hundred percent. It's 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 the same as like I'm in the sales game in in tech, and you'd always be seeing like what other teams within your company is doing to stay at the to hit the targets, you know, to overachieve. What are you doing? What messaging are you using? What's working? What's not? You know, it could be down to how you manage your time. It could be down to you know, what are you really focused on. If you're trying to do twenty things, you'll get jack shit done. But if you if you're trying, you focus down in the really five productive ones. You know, and, and that's transferable across everything. That's just dead and tech. tech. That's transferable to your golf game. <laughs> you can't deal yeah. with twenty string thoughts. You might you can't even deal with five. Um, so yeah, lots well, if, to learn there. If it, if you look at golf, like we went through, and and we'll know of it, Paddy, and I'm sure you, you'll remember is like it was nearly the race to the bottom there in oh nine, ten, eleven where you're getting 10 euro green fees and 200 quid membership. So, so what you have to kind of think now, and like we're all getting pinched from all angles and all our bills and all our outgoings at moment at home is that like the fiver in your pocket is not the fiver 10 years ago. So when when your local club goes up a tenner or a green fee is going up a fiver or an open day is now 30 instead of 20, you have to take on the chin, like the fertilizer cost, the fuel cost, and all that kind of stuff. It's a hard message to get across to golfers. We knew growing up that golf was a very expensive game, like clubs, equipment, clothes, all that kind of stuff. And it still is, continues to be an expensive game. There is ways of shopping around and moving around to different golf clubs, but like, you hold your membership in the hinge, even though that you're, you're located up the country, because I'm sure someday you will get more value than you're getting at the moment when you have more time and stuff like that. But it's it, it, it's to support your local club and uh, get on board. And yes, you can go out the road, 10 minutes drive and get for a hundred bit cheaper. But if you actually stay in your club and, it's close to you and you, you gain friends there over 10, 15, 20 years. They're your friends when you retire. They're the guys that are going to be on your new WhatsApp group. Instead of, right, I'll go to Club A this year because they're only 300 and I'll Club B next year to have a different offer and they have 18 months for 12 and all this kind of stuff. That, that doesn't help the industry and it, it puts a lot of clubs struggling. I'd be saying, kind of like, if it is 30 euros, take it on the chin, 30 euros for a game of golf, and you're entered in a competition where you could win a prize for 50 to, I've seen some prizes out there for 150 quid and drivers and all this. Like, support the club. They they need that revenue. That's why they host these events, these open days. And uh, it's worth it. You know, four hours out there, or four and a half hours out there, or 30 quid or 50 rounds of golf for 500 quid. My God, that's some value, you know. Some value. I think, I think you'll always have that kind of nomad golfer. I think that that's a bit of like Irish culture in terms of all, oh, like, you know, the pint yeah. is a euro cheaper down the road. 
but like in the grand scheme of things, if, if you're confident in like what you're doing in your club, that you take care of the, the other 98% will renew and that you're reaching out to the local school system and you're partnering with the right schools and maybe even corporates in town, if you're in that position of being, you know, with Kilkenny, for example, that you know you offer corporate membership and all that type of stuff, you know, then the nomad golfer will always be the nomad golfer. And disappointingly, like, they're, they're, they mightn't be the market they're after, you know. And if you are, it's a flat in the pan for a year or two, uh, and a bit of cash flow, but but after that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the people like that grow up and they have kids and they start playing. Yeah. You know, well. Yeah, it's it, it's hard. Like I was one of those guys that went missing for for ten years, went away, and now I'm back in, in, in Turles and uh, and joined up there. And like we've we've guys like with the army barks in in Kilkenny, and we've guys that are going overseas. Uh, in fairness to them and and serving the country uh, and you can understand them kind of hopping out for a year and and taking a break and stuff like that but it's it's a long it's, it's a lifelong game like I had a gentleman in today and he's big into cycling he's not playing too much but he still joined and he was saying look I can't cycle forever and I'm enjoying it at the moment I, I cycle on a Sunday but in a couple of years time I need to have my four ball or my group of 12 there because I won't be cycling anymore. Like yeah. We have a gentleman in our club, he's 96 this August. And he plays every single Thursday. And it's just, yeah. you're just like... Does he walk is, or cart? Does he walk he, or cart? I think he's he's mostly cart at the moment. Yeah, I'd allow that for I have the cart now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's as sharp as could be. And like, it, it goes back to it like, it's a, it's a golf for life, and, uh, or it's a game for life. Uh, it, it really is, and it's a good social setting. It's costly, though. It is. It's expensive golf. Is expensive. It is. Well, like this, like you can, there's, it's both a market for golf clubs and a market for golfers because there's so much in this country we're lucky because there's so much, I suppose, volume of each. You know? So, like, in... In Nace, and, and within a 20-minute radius, there's 15 clubs I could join. I in Kilkenny, yeah. in Kilkenny, you, Kilkenny Golf Club, Mount Julia, Castle Comer's out the road. I don't even know the place very well, and I know there's possibly another three or four, maybe more I'm missing out. Yeah. I'm going to America in two time, right, for work. And I'm trying <laughs> to get a game of golf. It's the hardest thing known to man, right? Good luck, because you can't. And you cannot get a public game of golf for less than $200, $250 in South California. So the best look to anyone earning less than six figures ever playing golf in that country. So like when, when it comes back to my buddy saying, oh, I can't believe the annual subscription has gone up 7%. I'm like, or even 30%. I'm like, every year, this place is less than three grand. I'm paying it. I, I accrue every month. I save every bit every month into a revenue vault. I'm the first, I pay in January 1st. That's it. Because as well, we get, into, we get into a draw. If you pay within the January, you get into the draw for uh, a year free membership the year after. Oh, right. worth, it, it's worth it that way. But like those two and a half thousand members. But, yeah. You know what I mean? But I think if you travel outside the country, you kind of see that we're looking this country that, you know, golf is accessible. 
in the first place. Yeah. Yes, it's a bit expensive, but if you look at some of the gyms, what they're charging, you know, 50, 60, 80 quid a month. Um, and like a lot of people pay gym memberships and never go from February on. Yeah. You know? So there's, yeah, a lot, well, actually, there's a big social yeah, aspect. You can bring your family to eat and drink in a golf club. You can do business there. You can have meetings there. You can go to like, the run of the place. Yeah. It's, it's I, I, I five hours a day. Uh, it could be 10 hours a day. A gym is, you go to a gym once a day. If, if you're yeah. good, you go once a day, you know, for 40 minutes or an hour. So you really get, uh, it's expensive, but you get a, a big bang for your buck, though. Yeah, I'll probably rephrase it. Is it uh, the, the initial sub, like when you see the two, three, four figures, whatever it is, and, and it comes in the post or via email, that's, that's a lot of money. But when you divide it down, it it is superb value. Like, uh, I, I won't. Uh, yeah, and like that. when I say you'll find the club for you, because there's so many golf clubs within a radius of where you live, hopefully, you know, hope you're not like in, you know, where I was growing up, we had like one golf club within a 50 mile radius, right? <laughs> you do have the options. So you have like the lower to higher end of subscription. So you can try yeah. and find the best golf club for you or a golf society or, you know, match your match what you can afford or, or have that conversation with the likes of you, Mark, and say, or the pros, and say, look, look, I earn so much and, you know, this year I'm struggling. Can I pay monthly or can I pay quarter? Can I pay in three batches? I'm sure, you know, uh, you can manage yeah. them like on a one to one like that if that does arise, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it look. I I don't know of offhand. I don't know of any club that doesn't have some sort of payment plan that's available there for people. And as you said, come in, chat to people there. Like I know probably nearly a hundred managers in Ireland, all approachable people. You know, they're there. Our role in the club. Like if, in a nutshell, is to basically accommodate the members where possible. So be it tea times, be it payment plans, be it availability, be it uh, members guest rate, whatever it is. Or finding kind of, finding other new members that to play with. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it, yeah. It, it, there's a there's your induction lunch. That's the case of right guys. The next next game of golf when you're playing. We tie you in together to get you out together, get cards signed for handicaps. It's always a tricky one. Okay, a couple of people willing to go out with three new members and sign all their cards at the end of it, stuff like that. It's all what we do, in fairness, is like it, it, it's difficult at times, but it's not rocket science. It's connection with people. It's that, that if you can get that right, and we all know the clubs, you walk into certain clubs, like especially. Kerry, you down there they have it to a T. Like it's just the the welcome is incredible. They do it very very well. Uh, they're doing it every day of the week. We we up the country probably have to turn it on a couple of times a day or ten times a day. They're doing it two hundred times a day. You know, so there's uh, there's different models out there as we were chatting about before, like different models, golf clubs, stuff like that. That's the way they run. Uh, some are streamlined uh, based on the business needs and what they can afford, and then some are just people washing your club. So, I'll never get over it. To go again, like uh, in the States, you know, lucky enough to be invited to play by an old friend of mine who's pro there, private club, and it was like, this is, this is everything about golf that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you to be invited to play 
which we invited yeah. to be a member in this place. But like the the hospitality level was insane. Like insane. Yeah. You know, they'd like a locker room, two-story locker room. I got assigned a locker for the day. There was a guy managing the locker room, you know, took my shoes. Like after the fact, I came back like sparkling shoes. Yeah. I was like, did these fucking fall into showers? And you know, your man had polished them, cleaned them up. You know, all that stuff. Like leaving leaving the Irish tourism business in the Haypay place is the private country club aspect in in America. But there's like two hundred and seventy members in the fucking place. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't want visitors. But like it just like you said, when you go to a place, you take something back. So I yeah. took back, you know, at that level, like everybody had a smile and a hello. Real yeah. simple. You can teach a 14-year-old, hopefully, to do that, you know, mm-hmm. who's being a caddy or whatever. Uh, we could talk for ages. Mark Ruddy, uh, these are the hardest questions now, right? Yeah. Quick fire Q&A time. It's the only question, hopefully, you would have prepared. You should have known the rest. Uh, what would your walk-on song be? Elton John, Rocket Band. Jim or Pizza? Uh, pizza. Hat, visor, or a Keelan Rafferty bucket hat? Hat. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Uh, tap it in, Happy Gilmore. Walk or in a cart like your 96-year-old member? I would say in a cart with the GPS like they have in Dubai in America is amazing. Yeah. With the Bush nose speaker. Like, oh, like, it, like the whole thing. Everything John Blair is. Oh. <laughs> win the Open or win the Masters? Uh, I think the Masters be class. Uh, it's like 60 days. It's an exciting just, just to have one up and Rory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what, would, what would be on your uh, Champions Dinner the week after or the year after? Uh, it'd definitely be a pulled pork sandwich, sweet potato fries, and coleslaw. I thought you were going to pull out the old. Um, what, was, what was it special in Tarlis? Oh, Jack Special, yeah. I thought you were going to do the Jack Special. Yeah. Oh, you, oh. you ruined it. You ruined yeah, it. Yeah, I missed it. <laughs> you missed it. I did just like it. Uh, Instagram or Twitter? Instagram or Twitter? Uh, Instagram. I, I watch a lot of your stories on Instagram. God, not, never talk to myself home. Scrolling through we'll Instagram, we'll play golf, your videos. We'll play, we'll play golf in person, you realise Instagram is definitely not fucking real. Right? <laughs> um, play or practice? Uh, play at the moment, yeah, yeah. Any opportunity? No, oh, deadly. Uh, last question. After a day, we'll say um, the bumper year in Kilkenny. You're celebrating between Christmas and New Year's. You know, when nobody really knows what day it is, and you can have whatever six people at the table with you. Three people down the left, three people down the right. You're at the top of the table. Who makes Mark Roddy's candlelit dinner? Who makes the cut? Uh, Tiger, John Daly. And Pete Cowan. Uh, then on the right hand side, you'd have to have uh, John Carl used to play for Tip the Barrel Carl. They'd be great crack. Uh, I would say Owen Kelly and then Paul O'Connell. Throw him in. You know. Malik Aggression. Malik yeah, Aggression. Know, yeah. <laughs> Mark, thanks very much for your time. Really, really insightful to kind of get behind the behind the scenes of what it's like as a GM and all the various tasks that none of us members and 
uh, know about and take for granted. Thanks for your time. I'll get down yeah, to Kilkenny or Thurlis thir- thir- soon, right? And, and we'll tee up for real. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Summer months, spring growth is coming now and all courses be looking great. So and I'll be off, I'll be off for... I'll be off for three months maternity if I'm trying to I'm trying to get as many hall patterns as, as I can. Yeah, L- them more up. than welcome. You're more than Take welcome. Take it easy. Yeah, Thanks a million, yeah. Mark. Thanks a million, Paddy. Appreciate that. Well, that was indeed Mark Roddy of uh, Kilkenny Golf Club and member in Thurlis, but GM in uh, the great Kilkenny Golf Club, uh, Jimmy Bolger fame and the Power family and, and numerous, numerous more. Uh, I've been through those gates and I must get down there myself and uh, take a couple of pretty pictures maybe. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Mark. Mark Ruddy, brother of David, the coach so pretty pretty uh, high performing golfing family there. So hopefully got a bit out of like what a GM does all the aspects of the role what they try and you know do for their clubs they're affiliated with developmental wise member engagement wise retention wise giving you all the good experiences and hospitality experiences you deserve so yeah maybe taken for granted by some folks I hope you enjoyed the episode it was a longer one than normal but uh, conversations with the roadies tend to be that way and I love it I would talk about golf all day so Hence the weekly podcast. If you liked it, leave an hour review. Uh, if you want to hear from s- specific people in the future, please do let me know. I throw up a poll or Q&A boxes on the Instagram at Petty Talks Golf now and then. For the back catalogue, if you're not on Spotify or Apple, it's there. Otherwise, pettytalksgolf.com. You can join the, the timesheet there. That goes out periodically. It's not a weekly. It's more like every other monthly when there's stuff going on. Namely giveaways and we're organising a trip to the Macri, so you want to get involved in that. Um, that's it for now. Until next week, Carol Brill is next week, Usher Syndrome, an incredible, incredible woman. Um, I have a lot of time for her. So yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy that show. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy. <laughs> <laughs>